I wonder what's happening with GA aircraft sales. How are all the ancillary aviation businesses going to have to adapt to the new normal? Will aviation trader go to online delivery only? Hi and welcome again to Grounded, a series of podcasts about the effects of the pandemic on general aviation in Australia. I'm Angela Stevenson of rightspeakfly.com and this week my guest is Tony Shaw of Aviation Trader, the aircraft trading mag that we all love when it drops into our letterbox. Tony's had over 30 years of senior management experience and seen his way through a number of crises. He can give us some really great insights because not only does he have his finger on the general aviation business pulse in relation to aircraft sales, but the corporate advertising, what's happening or not happening in Aviation Trader, can tell us much about the state of the industry in a wider business sense. Find out whether owners are advertising aircraft at the moment or just holding on, whether the larger or smaller corporate advertisers have pulled back, what Tony's recent focus groups have revealed, and how Tony thinks not just the magazine, but GA generally will pull through this crisis. As always, you can contribute to the conversation or leave comments or questions in this week's discussion section at rightspeakfly.com forward slash grounded. Hi, Tony, and welcome to this episode of Grounded. We'll get straight into it. How has this affected your business? Because Aviation Trader is a big part of the community. It's been pretty massive, Angela. Um, I guess we rely on business confidence to drive our publication. And when something major like this comes along and, I guess, interrupts every, everybody's vision of the future, we, we suffer almost straight away. We've lost a significant amount of our advertisers, mainly mainly the corporate end, funnily enough, um, which you'd imagine being the end of the business that could probably navigate their way through something as severe as this, but they are the ones that are the most reluctant to confirm what their future is, funnily enough, and our smaller advertisers have stayed with us. And, and by that, do you mean corporate advertising such as Garmin or Bose, or do you mean large aircraft trading or stockbroking businesses with aircraft, new or used, to sell that aren't selling? Yeah, no, that, that's certainly an issue. But it's kind of across the board, Angela. So, you know, you mentioned Bose there. They've been, they've been quite good. But some of the equipment manufacturers and some of the product suppliers, ones that seem to have... Know, put the red light on really really fast and when you talk to them they're the most concerned about the future why that is i'm not sure and of course there's nothing we can do to allay their fears because none of us really know what the future holds that's one of our big issues having said that now that we're coming into our july edition we are seeing a like a very 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 small pickup or recovery if you like but i think this is going to be here for a while and I don't think we'll get back to pre-COVID advertising levels for quite some months yet. The question is, of course, what happens in September when, you know, the JobKeeper rug gets pulled out, if that's what they're going to do. And uh, so when you look at your subscriptions online and in print, can you give me a bit of a picture there or an indicator of interest or activity at the moment? What are you finding there? Definitely um, a significant uptake in web views. I wouldn't say that they've been converted into sales, but certainly it's an accelerating trend anyway that we've, we've experienced over the last three or four years. If you look at our web traffic, 
say, between two, 2015 and 2020, we've seen a almost threefold increase. So that wasn't so much a transition, it's just a lot more people beginning to, to navigate the market, I guess, online. Hasn't been helped, I think, not wanting to pour cold water on Australia Post, but um, it hasn't helped that mail services have declined in commitment, if you like. So when we circulate the print publication, it can take, because we're going to quite a lot of remote locations, can take up to two weeks for the reader to get the publication. Whereas we've published in digital form and loaded all the content to the to our website within 24 hours. So there's now more of a drive towards getting immediate, and I guess this is across all industries really, immediate access to the market, basically. Mm. But do you see print as still a major part of your, of, of your format? Yeah, only because of the demographic that we're in. In our primary readership, I guess, would be be now in their early 50s to late 70s and I think that generation if you like or generation and a half is has come out of um, print loyalty really and, and the default position being print even though they've moved on to cope with digital transformation they still use the print as the as the um, medium of choice if you like and they're using both. I wouldn't say that people wait two weeks before they think they can buy something. That's not happening. But if we take the print or suggest that we take the print option away, 95% of people say, please don't do that. And I think the value of the print publication is its shelf life. And I'm quite sure if you had to talk to the average reader, they'd probably have four or five years of traders stacked up somewhere in their reading room <laughs> to be used as, as a reference, particularly in pricing of aircraft but also supply of goods and services. And we quite often, you know, if somebody hasn't got their print edition for some reason, um, quite often fielding calls from people that sort of say, look, I can't remember the name of the company, but I remember in the uh, 2017 edition on page 23, there was business that was selling these things, you know. Uh, So their default position is still that, and they still need the print publication as as a support mechanism, but... It's not stopping them from investigating uh, what's going on in real time. And I think that's been a very, very important part of our, our business is to cope with, with the transition and also everybody's expectations around immediacy of, of information. And where do you find the real activity happens? Is it online or is it from the print publications? In Term, terms of response, the genuine activity and the, the sales generation is still still from the print publication but by far and away the largest number of views if you like of advertising online is, is from online sorry yeah so it's, it's probably about three to one now so for every hard copy reader we would have three digital viewers but what that's not doing at this stage anyway is translating into good leads and good sales prospects the online activity and I think that's because a lot of people are not necessarily in buying mode and it's not just because of COVID but not necessarily in buying mode but they're they're doing their market research if you like and the best way to do that is to is to do it online. Were you finding sort of similar statistics before the pandemic and and sort of during this lockdown period? I look now actually our web stats are down a little bit now I just wonder whether that's everybody beginning to settle into the post-COVID, what they call the new normal. If I look at 
April stroke May visitation that was really high and I think that was because people were at home looking for things to do. But I think now the reality has kicked in and that may well be that people have turned off their interest in buying or selling. And we, we've seen that in the in the May and June editions of the publication, particularly with um, aircraft sales, not only through brokerage, but also privately. We've seen a lot of aircraft come off the market and probably put into the hangar until people feel confident again about the future. Mm, this notion of the second wave is, is sort of holding us, holding everybody back, I think, too. I think, yeah, and I think you can understand that, I think. Oh, absolutely. You know, and the other thing, of course, is we're dealing with a demographic that is close to retirement or in retirement, lacking return on investment. They're not going to splash out and buy an expensive new avionics suite or something for their aircraft if they can't guarantee that their investment returns are going to be stable enough, I guess, for them to, to get involved in discretionary spending. And I'd, I'd certainly feel the same way myself, I think. It would be very easy to splash out and buy something exciting for your aircraft, but right now, I just think it's unwise to do that. Like, personally, I think it's unwise for me to to get involved in that sort of thing. Perhaps that's the way everybody feels. You know? and, and as you say, if, if a second wave begins in evidence, then you know we're, we're going to be in this for quite some time, I think. So there has been a bit of uh, a bit of talk. It was on a news article that I was reading a couple of weeks ago. Now that there have been a number of magazines that have, and I don't want to say taken the opportunity, but you know what I mean to to sort of close up shop and say, you know what, we've been struggling for years. Now is the moment, so they've closed them all down. Um, but Aviation Trader is a very specific sort of niche. You're gonna you're going to uh, keep ploughing on. We are, you know, we're at the whim of our advertisers. Of course. Now, some of them, you might say, are exploring other opportunities, particularly in this in this environment where you can do things much more cost-effectively. But, but it gets back to the quality of response they know they get from the print edition. And whilst, whilst ever they feel that it's important for the print publication to continue, then we'll continue doing it, provided we can underwrite the cost. We're really in a kind of a break-even situation at the moment, and that, that's not viable for the future. But but neither is digital publication because if you want to produce in digital format that, that's a replica of the print edition, then your resources are very, very similar, to be quite frank. The only thing we're missing is print and distribution, which is a big cost for us. But in terms of creating artwork and graphic design and layout and all of those things, like the team here would need to stay, all, all of them would need to stay in place if we were to produce an online publication that was in the similar format. So we're not going to get, we'll get some cost savings, but not complete cost savings. The only option you would have, and I think this is what certainly has happened with um, with news, you know, folding a lot of their print publications, particularly in our area, actually. We um, now, as of 29th of July, will have no print publications in our region. I think that was a really, really, really impulsive decision to make, and I, I just, I just think that the community is going to be very disappointed in that. But and, and we'd be in the same situation. We have the online edition available on our website, but if that was the only option, I think everyone would be hugely disappointed. And I think advertisers might, you know, feel that um, rates of response were reduced if if we did that. I'm quite sure that would still be the case. Mm. The question is, of course, you know, generational change. What do the future aircraft owners and aviators, how do they want to receive their information? 
And it's kind of interesting if you go to a big air show like Avalon and you sit down with a bunch of 21, 22-year-olds that are in pilot training and you ask them, would they prefer printed or digital? They say, can I have both, please? So we're optimistic that, that niche print probably has a future, even as we, we, we pass through to a younger audience. And provided we integrate as we continue to do and provide the information when they want it online, we can probably keep the print publication going. Mm. But it's entirely up to the advertisers. I would hate to have to create a new business model just around digital publication. I think it would be really, really difficult. Mm. Everything's changing and we are all at, at that point where trying to think outside the box is, uh, is actually quite frightening in a lot of ways. Yeah. And it, mm. it's interesting, I did some uh, COVID workshops a couple of weeks ago actually mm. and um, of course everyone's, everyone's talking about pivoting and rebooting and reinvention and all this sort of stuff, which I, which I accept. But it's difficult for us to do that. But having said that, we don't want to appear to be prehistoric either. So it's it's a real catch twenty two for us. But mm. but I think I think the investment that we've made in digital publication already, hopefully, that indicates to our audience that we aren't an obsolete generation of, of people working here. That we've we respect both mediums. Mm-hmm. But until the um, response rates to our print publication reduce and we get that message from our advertisers, we must stay where we are, but not appear to be prehistoric. You mentioned some focus groups that you undertook. What what did they more widely reveal for your business? I did a, um, a series of eight one-hour workshops, and I, I like to do that just to make sure that the way I think is still reasonably current. But it was, um, it was mind-blowing. I was really exhausted after the day, to be honest. Out of all of those eight sessions the only thing that really really made me think twice was the fact that we had to shift our perspective and we do this anyway but if you were in that sort of organizational centric mindset and you had forgotten your customer centric mindset Mm -hmm. then you need to correct that error in other words the perspective has to be 100 percent on the customer's needs now Mm. and that's what we've found in the last three months is that we've had all sorts of unusual requests from advertisers and what we've tried to do in in every case is to into is to accommodate what they've asked for that's the big imperative for us at the moment is to make sure we respond and and also agility is the other thing and it would be very easy to you know refer to a print publication as being non not agile if you like but the fact that we're in web publication as seriously as we are in print, then hopefully that agility is that we can demonstrate that. A lot of it was sent, it was around um, remote working, and I think this whole concept of um, working from home is going to be much more entrenched than some people might think. I think some people have learned how to make that work, not because they're social distancing, but I just think that's the new way of doing business. And we've all learned something, I guess, from that. But whether it's as, as effective as running a business like we still run, we're, we're not sure. The other, the other thing that was crucial, of course, was the uncertainty of the future. And nobody knows how to deal with the volatility and the uncertainty and the complexity, if you like, of the, of the new world. We don't, and I don't think anybody's gripped on that yet other than to try and turn all of that into a positive if you can the challenge for all of us is to turn all of those things which appear to be negative into some sort of positive and that's that's the challenge that everyone faces i think now because i think we face this in the aviation industry you know what structural 
changes are we are we likely to feel in the future? And I think it's going to be quite immense, particularly in our, in our little sector. Um, if you look at the damage that's been done to passenger transport services, that has a huge flow-on effect that people haven't recognised yet into maintenance and you know supplied parts and all, all of those ancillary services that that go around to supporting our aviation, our key aviation RPT um, activities. You don't, you just hear about the um, the Virgins and the Qantas is having a great deal of difficulty, but you think of all of those service providers that relied on that activity for their own survival, it's quite staggering. And I think that's my biggest question is when we come out of this, how many, how many businesses that I know well will not be there, you know, in the future. And it's certainly not something that we'll know this week, it's something that we'll know over the uh, next 6 to 12 months. Yeah, and, and I think the significance of 30th of September and the JobKeeper, if the government doesn't persist with that strategy, then mm. I think we're just going to see another bunch of closures. You're in the middle of preparing for the next edition. Yeah. And, and with that publication, have you got any observations in the compiling of that? Are there, are there fleet aircraft suddenly coming up for sale or are there businesses uh, offloading excess aircraft? Less, less so, I think, Angela. I think even before COVID struck, a lot of aviation businesses were in trouble, particularly aviation businesses with charter fleets or excess aircraft that generated a lot of on online auctions i don't know whether you had noticed that or not which were really businesses that wanted to get out of their fleets quickly now that was happening before COVID. funnily enough there's there's been none, none of that activity during the COVID period we've had we've had no online auction activity the question is what what does that mean does that mean that everyone's just waiting or has everybody uh, survived that's going to survive or, or what does that mean and I guess at the moment, every positive interaction we get with an advertiser is met by a negative one from another. So if I look at the July edition that we're just putting together now, I see several advertisers coming back, which is good, mm-hmm. particularly in, in the parts supply side of the, of the industry and also in uh, avionics and a bit of maintenance, repair and overhaul. But for each of those coming back, we lose another from another element within the industry, insurance or... So when we make a a bit of a gain, we're also making a loss. And I I think the July edition isn't going to be much better than the previous two, unfortunately. So, and that tells me that we're not out of this. We're a long way from being out of it. And you mentioned corporate advertising by aircraft financiers. So you've noticed a significant drop-off in those sorts of organisations' advertising? Yeah, not only them, but other services. Mm-hmm. For instance, auditors, compliance. We, we have quite a few advertisers that work to prepare compliance manuals for businesses. Mm-hmm. And because activity is so low at the moment, you know, that need to maintain your paperwork or otherwise seems to, seems to have fallen off. And we're going to have to wait until flying hours improves before those sort of activities come back online or we see an uptick there. The other thing, of course, is you know the reluctance to lend. And it's interesting, just before actually I came on today, I was talking to one of our advertisers in New Zealand who felt that the banks were just holding back on lending to the industry just to make sure that the businesses that applied for finance could actually last the next few months, which is an interesting concept. In other words, uh, don't give them the money now, just let them sweat just to make sure that they're going to survive anyway because no use giving them the money now and finding that, finding that they're out of business in three months. But of course that just stops, that just stops. 
Well, that's a that's a that's a chicken and egg thing, isn't it? Yeah, and if you want to wind the clock back right to the GFC, to where it was clear that uh, some of the bigger institutions were lending almost 100% of valuation and got themselves pretty heavily burnt for having done that. That, that kept that kept the um, aircraft sales side of the industry quite buoyant. But to drop that now, post GFC, to something like 50%. In other words, if you want to buy a major asset, you know, produce 50% in cash and we'll lend you the other 50. That's really hard for a lot of businesses to do. And it'll be worse now because that'll just make it even harder to get finance. Talking here about structural damage now to the industry rather than just, you know, the financial markets imploding or exploding, if you like, yeah. If you were to wonder how Virgin might come back and what it might look like, that's a very good example of what the future might hold. No one knows, you know. Um, you know, the, the buyer or buyers have a, an idea, but they're not being terribly open. But you'd imagine it's going to be a, a smaller airline servicing less routes. We distribute over in New Zealand and a freighter, freight company was on the blower almost as soon as COVID hit to say that they couldn't deliver newspapers to, to New Zealand because they'd been using... Virgin as the uh, the freight carrier. I hadn't even thought of that as being a dynamic, but um, without Virgin in the skies, then our supply line, you know, was was interrupted for at least a month until they re-established some connections. You know, it's like an iceberg, isn't it? There's a lot of stuff under the water that goes on. So we're still we're still learning, I think, and it does create two opportunities too, Angela, for for people that might be able to find a way of increasing their business. I can't be specific about it, but there'll be people out there wondering how things might be done differently and how they can cash in on that, if you like. Mm, I've been recently researching and reading up about the impact of SARS, which at the time was estimated to have impacted global aviation by around 18.5% in 2003 year. Um, greater, of course, in the Asia-Pacific region and, and, of course, far, far greater in Hong Kong. But ongoing analyses by ICAO estimate the impact of the COVID pandemic on aviation globally for this pandemic at around 63%. And when you look at May on May figures, just for Melbourne International Airport, it was around 98% drop. So we're not talking precedent at all. No, that's right. And I think the industry has been a bit critical of the government for not keeping the key players in the industry more afloat. I mean, they've, they've um, contributed some funding, but nothing like other countries overseas. Like we're, we're way down on our support for the aviation industry in comparison because I think you know other countries just see the significance of what's happened and perhaps we don't yet I mean to close the borders seems like a like a simple proposition but but when you realize how many people travel and how many Australians had been traveling and you see that in the numbers uh, of of Australians coming back you realize how important they were to the aviation the key part of the aviation industry international travel and that's outbound and then you compound that by um by zero um, inbound then all of your tourism operators are you know severely impacted so it goes it goes both ways the the airlines can't afford to um to fly their aircraft and the tourism industry has no tourists to look after that then feeds down to the maintenance of aircraft that rely on tourism for their revenues if you look at the sightseeing helicopters that that were running out of SeaWorld and also um, the base just further south, there were always at least six helicopters in the air in good times. And now there are none. There's been not a single helicopter flight out of those bases since the middle of March. And, And 
even things like the closure of the Whitsunday Islands and or Hamilton Island in particular, you don't realise how much damage that's doing to the tourism industry. Mm. Hopefully, the majority of aviation business operators aren't so exhausted that they feel like it's not worth going on. But if you're close to retirement age, if you think about it, um, if I mentioned that demographic, you know, between 40 and uh, between 50 and 60 years of age, you've, you've been through the GFC, you came out of that, we've had SARS, and, and now we've got COVID, you might well think to yourself that the future is just too exhausting to contemplate, and you might take retirement. And I think we're, we're not sure that that's happening now, but I think later in the year we'll begin to realise how many people took that option and, instead of... Um, persevering and I, th- I think with um, the magnitude of investment that there is in aviation if you can't and your bankers will probably tell you this too if you, if you can't produce a business case that supports an investment for the next like 10 years then you're not going to get financial support so mm. and who's, who's going to do that <laughs> that's exactly right <laughs> interestingly though the uh, the government did say I was listening to I think it was Simon Birmingham the international travelers spend 20 billion dollars more overseas like so 20 billion dollars a year goes out of the country in overseas tourism that could be spent at home but people aren't going to have that money anymore so that's, that's exactly right there's now just too much uncertainty I think people to spend as, as much as they did on overseas travel they're unlikely to spend anywhere near that much on domestic travel I'd, I'd love to see it happen because that would resolve a lot of things that's right but is that reality or are we just wishing exactly hmm. all right well look i'll wrap it up there i won't take up any more of your time tony thank you so much for all being right. with me today anytime yeah. <laughs> we can talk again in two months and we can see how things might have changed. That would be really great. We'll do, definitely do a catch-up. You have to live and breathe this on an hourly basis at the moment, to be quite frank. Yeah. That's right. Thanks, Tony. No worries. And that was Tony Shaw of Aviation Trader. You can also find Aviation Trader online, www.aviationtrader.com.au. So what do you think? Will general aviation come back faster than regular passenger transport? If so, in what ways are you seeing evidence of this already? What aspects of GA will have no other option but to adapt? And have you thought about performing your own focus groups or are you going to wait and see? Feel free to join in the discussion online at www.rightspeakfly.com forward slash grounded or head on over to my Facebook page. You'll find me as Angela at Avalon, and that's three actual words, not the symbol. Angela at Avalon. And don't be bored. The Australian Transport Safety Bureau are conducting a survey of industry participants and stakeholders as to whether or not they're doing a good job of communicating and messaging. My two favourite things. Simply Google search ATSB survey and it should pop up for you. Otherwise, there's a link at my website, www.rightspeakfly.com. That was episode 11 of Grounded. I'm Angela Stevenson. Thanks again for listening. Never forget how lucky we are to be in this industry. Spread your wings and spread the love of aviation. And never forget, you can always go round.